Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Making Sense of Money. I'm Jake Hamilton. I'm Nikki Jankola Shanks. Last episode, we talked about predatory lending with a focus on mortgages. We had a guest on from IDFPR, Katie Liss, who is an expert on this subject. So if you are thinking about buying a home or know someone who is, make sure to check out that episode. And I'm the last of your hosts, Andrea Pellegrini. Today, we're going to focus on some holiday savings tips and celebrating the new year by setting financial goals for 2021. And for those of you that don't know, goal setting is one of my absolute favorite things to help people with. So you'll be hearing a lot from me today. Let's start off this week by talking about the exact amount of money on average people spend during this time of year. Uh, it's no secret that with Christmas and the holidays, this time of year gets really expensive for many Americans. And with the COVID-19 pandemic still plaguing America, we know it's going to be a season unlike any other we've had before. Uh, the National Retail Federation, founded in 1911, is made up of members from all aspects of the retail industry, and they track data on consumer spending habits. Um, each year, they put out project projections on holiday spending and sales. Uh, their projections are from November 1st to December 31st. The prediction this year is that America would spend between $755.3 billion and $766.7 billion in this time frame. Uh, this is actually a predicted increase of 3.5% to about 5.2% from 2019. Obviously, with the pandemic, that might not make sense to some people, you know, with the economy as it is, people would say, why is spending increasing? But um, with the pandemic, people are not traveling as much as they normally do. Um, so it's anticipated that travel sales will decrease and retail spending will increase because some consumers might have extra money that they save on travel costs, even workday commutes, probably not spending as much on gas or things like that, or even like their going out budget, people might just have that extra money around to spend at this time of year. And there's a psychological factor, too, um, that when you have, you know, when you're sitting around, you might have some extra money, you might end up spending more. Predicted that online sales this year are going to go up by about 20 to 30 percent from 2019. So that's a that's a really big jump. Uh, this breaks down to consumers planning to spend on average just under a thousand dollars on gifts, foods and decorations, nine hundred and ninety eight dollars to be specific. Uh, and other holiday-related purchases for themselves and their families. There's about six, to break that down even further, it's about $650 for family, friends, and coworker gifts, $230 on non-gift holiday purchases like food and decorations, and then $117 on other holiday purchase, purchases for themselves and their families. That could be a wide range of things. It could be like donations to charity, really any number of things. So it's very interesting because I think that... Um given the pandemic and the state of our economy, that people may not realize that there are some spikes in different industries also because of the pandemic, such as in retail and online sales like this. So we just thought we'd, we'd share. Yeah, the uh, 20, 20 to 30% jump is, but is really drastic. It's really drastic. And I think too, just the fact that they're saying overall, they're anticipating that going to increase overall sales from like 3.6 to 5.2 percent like that was just something that I had not really thought of but like Jake said people aren't traveling people aren't going out to eat as much so for those people that are lucky enough to still have their jobs and are working they're like well I have this little extra money so maybe I'll 
spend a little bit more on buying dad something or whoever. So I found Did that. you guys, I'm sorry. No, Did you go guys ahead. Get... I found <laughs> go ahead, Andrea. I think another area of spending that's probably decreased is insurance. I don't know if you guys got a refund from your car insurance, but I did. And I, I pay in six yet. month increments. So that might be an, another area to contribute to, you know, spending monies. Yeah. So it's, it's just very interesting, right? As, as we all kind of learn how this, this season is going to be very different. unlike any that any, anybody has ever experienced before, but still hearing all those statistics, especially that number, like Jake said, $998, like that is a lot, right? It's no wonder that this time of year can cause a lot of financial stress for consumers. So what are some ways and to save during this season or cut that number down? I will say we are aware that this is a little late in the season that we're, we're, we're talking about this. So we hope that like this, particularly this part, part, of, the, part of the podcast, if you are um, experiencing some stress about how much the holidays are costing you, that you keep some of these um, tips in mind for next year and future holiday seasons. So the first is to set a holiday budget and stick to it. It's really easy to get sidetracked. Um, I am definitely guilty with that with my nieces. I'm like, oh, they would love this. Even though I had already bought them two other things. So set a holiday budget, stick to it. Coupled with that, make a shopping list. Um, plan out what you're going to purchase for everyone in advance. This way it, it avoids that last minute, that impulse purchase purchases that you may see either online, because I don't know about you, but I know my email is full of lots of, you know, um, promotions right now. So if you kind of list out who you're shopping for and what you're going to buy them, it helps you stick to that plan. Speaking of a list, really look, take a look at your list. A lot of times we keep giving gifts out of habit and there may not be a need for that anymore. You know, maybe you don't talk to this person as much as you used to. Maybe for that person, it'd be better to say, hey, instead of giving a gift this year, why don't we set up a plan to go to dinner together once it's safe to do so? <laughs> you know, it's, instead of giving a gift. Also set limits on gifts with your friends and family. That could be a number of gifts, like set the actual limit on the number but also the limit on how much you guys are willing to spend. Cause I know, I know it's always that weird. All right, well, I'm going to spend like 20 bucks, but what if they spend like 50 on me? And that way you could have those conversations and nobody's surprised and everybody can kind of stay within their own budget. Yeah. Nobody wants the situation like in the office where Michael shows up with the iPod and everybody else bought like $20 <laughs> gifts exactly that's what my family does though we do like either a secret santa or you know a, a gift exchange and we set the the price limit for the item at 25 or 20 or 30 dollars or whatever works you know whatever works for you and your family communication uh, is key as with all kinds of budgeting exercises exactly so you also want to avoid last minute shopping that leads to panic spending and you end up spending more than you plan to there's a lot of reasons for that. It could be because what you were planning to buy is now sold out. 
So now you, but you still have to buy that person something. So you're going to spend more because you, you're like, I got, I got to get mom something. So last minute shopping can definitely increase your budget. The other thing I'm going to talk about kind of together is watching for sales and coupons. Both of these things, however, you really need to do your research on. You want to compare prices. You want to look, and that's part of the, the planning process because sometimes some realtors may kind of jack up the price on something and then say, hey, but I'm actually, this is 15% off. But really it's just, yes, it's 15% off the higher price and you're pay, paying what you would have if you bought this in September as opposed to December. So that's kind of, you want to make sure that you're, you're keeping your eye out because there are some really good sales and, and actually decent coupons. You just want to make sure that you're not getting gypped a little bit by just buying into all of them. The other thing too, is some people will see something that's on sale or there's a coupon for, and it's not anything that they may need or want, but they're like, oh, well, it's 20% off. So sure, why not? I'll buy this. So just keep that in mind when you, when you are looking at sales and coupons as well. Only buy what you're set out to buy. You also want to watch your credit card spending. So this gets a little tricky. So if you are able to pay off your credit card at the end of December or the beginning of January, whenever you pay off your credit card, great. Use your credit card. There's point systems. There's all that type of, of benefit. But if you know that that's not your case, that you're going to be able to pay off your balance, you may want to consider using cash or debit card to make purchases. This allows you to only spend what you have. It's very easy with a credit card to then go overboard and then your $50 purchase ends up becoming a $150 purchase because you never pay it off and it's collecting interest. So that's something that you kind of have to um, look at your own personal budget and spending and, and what you can personally do. I just like to remind people that if you are purchasing online, which a lot of people are right now, you have more protections with a credit card. So the, the piece that Nikki mentioned earlier about setting a budget can play a bigger role in helping you to manage the holidays financially. But if you know your habits and you know that when you're purchasing with a credit card, you're more likely to overspend, then you really need to be mindful of both where you're making your purchases as well as what your plan is for paying for those purchases. Because some people also overdraft if they get carried away or they're not looking at, oh, sometimes people just look at the balance before in their account before they make a spending choice. And sometimes not everything has come through, especially if you're making a lot of purchases in just a couple days, right? And you forget about one and then you overdraft. So you just got to be careful about how you're making your spending choices and how you're paying for stuff and what's best for your individual situation. Yes, that's the, the most important thing we can stress is what's best for you based on your financial needs. And so, you know, a credit card may be the best option for you. I know we do a lot of shopping on our credit card to get different reward points. We pay it off. It's one of those things where you want to make sure that um, 
if you're going to put something on the credit card, that you will be able to pay it off in a decent amount of time. So you're not paying for your brother's Christmas gift still in July. So just something to keep in mind. Um, and then it's some, a few other things. One is you can make your gifts. That's always cheaper. And honestly, a lot of times more appreciative, more appreciated just because it's more personal that way. I know Andrea's, Andrea loves making, making gifts, right? DIY for everybody <laughs> this year, especially. I have more time. I have a single income this year. <laughs> so there you go. DIY for everybody. Don't be afraid to re-gift. I know that there's a lot of gifts that you may have collected, particularly gift cards. And you're like, I haven't used this in a year, but I know cousin Stacy will use this in like two weeks if we if I'm gifting her, right? So, so don't be afraid to do that. Nobody will know. It's all fine. Give the gift of your time. And I kind of mentioned this before. A lot of people, research has shown that instead of things, people tend to like more experiences. So whether that experience can be something like, like I said, when it's safe, going to a play or, you know, going out to the movies or whatever it might be, as opposed to another trinket that sits on their mantle, right? It could also be something like, hey, I will come and you have friend maybe super stressed out or is going through a lot. And it's like, my gift to you, here's a coupon that I will come help you clean out the closet that you have been talking about doing and have never done, right? Like, I will come do that for you. That is my gift. Um, and a lot of those types of gifts are just really appreciated. <laughs> I know I appreciate them. For some um, people with families, babysitting. Yeah. Babysitting coupon. And then if you do have a large family, like Jake was saying, um, or a big group of friends that usually give gifts, Think about Secret Santa. You don't need to buy for everybody in that whole group. You could just buy for one person. I know we do um, a Shank sibling swap each year. And then group gifts too. That likewise, the sibling swap for our, my in-laws, a lot of times all of us will go in together on something a little bit bigger for them. So that way it's not as much money for each of us, but they still get something nice. So there are lots of different ways to cut spending, lots of different things to keep in mind. The, the one thing I could stress is that all of this takes planning. Like I said, maybe it's too late in some, in some cases for this year, but I hope that you kind of like take, take some of these tips and, and keep them in your brain. So that way, when this time comes around next year, you know, start early. After all the holiday spending craze is over, it is the new year or sometimes for some people, the holiday spending craze goes through the new year. But usually we talk about new year's resolutions once January 1st comes around, at least in the United States. It's a little bit different in other countries. As I already mentioned, goals are one of my favorite things to talk about because they involve both planning and implementation whether your New Year's resolutions are directly financial or not, it's important to acknowledge how our access to financial resources or even the resources within our communities can either enable more avenues to reach that goal or restrict our choices 
uh, when it comes to accomplishing that goal or that New Year's resolution. So first I wanna talk a little bit about why do we set goals? So Jake, why do you set goals? Uh, I would say I set goals just to have a, like a completion of something in mind. And when you set that goal and then you carry through with that goal, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. So like New Year's resolutions, I mean, I know a lot of people don't follow through on them. I've definitely missed some of those goals myself in the past, but like when you do finish a New Year's resolution, like it feels really good. Like it feels like you've accomplished something. So at least for me, that's why I like doing them. I completely agree. What about you, Nikki? I am definitely one that likes to check things off a list. So I have a lot of uh, short-term goals and then longer-term goals that I like I like to be like, I did this. And like, it also for me um, helps kind of organize my thoughts about what I actually want to do and like get done. And whether that's starting at the beginning of the year or even like, you know, in a week, I start my week off at work, a lot of times writing down, like, this is everything I need to get done this week. I think that there, there are a lot of reasons to set goals, but one of the biggest reasons is it allows you to create a plan and be able to track your progress, as well as that accountability piece. And the more people that you share your goal with, the more likely you are to achieve it because there is that social accountability there. And we know from research that people that write down their goals, like physically write a list like Nikki does every week, uh, they're more likely to achieve those goals. So those, the more layers of accountability and structure that you add to your goal, the more support you will have to actually put it into practice. I believe that goal setting is the first step to making change. And it's important to acknowledge that behavior change itself is extremely difficult. That's why a lot of people don't always follow through with all their New Year's resolutions, especially if you make like a lot of lofty goals because it's hard to make changes to be your behaviors. I wanna talk a little bit about planning. So you, when it comes to turning your goal into a plan or implementing your goal, you wanna assess what's most important to you, uh, as well as where your finances are. So you wanna assess your values, as well as all the resources that you have access to. There are lots of goal setting frameworks that you can use. There's a lot of research on goal setting. What I like to use when I talk to people about setting goals is something called the SMART goal method. It's fallen out of favor with some professionals, but I still like to use it because it's a good talking point. It's an acronym. And who doesn't love acronyms, right? Um, so there are also different varieties of words to associate with each one of the letters in the SMART acronym, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with what I know. So we use S to describe specific. The more specific that your goal is, the easier it is for you to visualize, which is an important aspect of behavior change. M is for measurable. So you, you may have to do additional research to be able to quantify your goal. Like how much do I need for a down payment on a car or how much can I afford for a mortgage payment, right? You might need to do a little more research. So that's why assessing your own finances is a big piece of it. With A, we use agreed upon because like we've said before, communication is really important for establishing and 
achieving goals. So if you have to make behavior changes or um, share finances with another person, you need to agree on what that goal is. Even if you aren't in the same household, let's say you're going on vacation with someone else, you need to agree on where you're going. Otherwise you're just like, okay, I'm going to Florida and my friend decided to go to California, but we were supposed to go together. You have to have that communication about an agreed goal. R is for realistic. So that's where assessing what you have access to and what you can afford plays into setting your goal. And then T is time-based. So you wanna put a deadline on what your goal is, whether it be short-term or long-term. Um, typically, when you talk to financial planners, a short-term goal is somewhere between one and five years. If it's less than one year, it's an immediate goal, typically. Intermediate goals are usually somewhere between five and 10 years. Sometimes people go up to 15. And then long-term is usually 10 or more years in the future. So things like retirement, right? If you are gonna focus on financial goals directly, right? Like finances play a role in all kinds of goals, whether they be physical, nutritional, <laughs> or financial. Finances typically play, play a role in establishing what methods you have to reach that particular goal. But let's say you have a more general goal of improve your finances. You might have to break it into sub goals like get organized with your finances, establish a filing system, whether that be physical or digital. Um, maybe it's calculate your net worth. So uh, do either of you guys know what net worth is or how to calculate it? I mean, I know what net worth is. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. I know what it is, but I, you know, I, I don't think I trust myself alone to calculate it. Like I would probably want some help with either from my husband or a financial planner, you know, something. Yeah. Well, I think it, I'm going to wait till I have a few more assets in my name before I start calculating my net worth. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to think too much about that number right now. So I started calculating my net worth when I was in grad school. So you can imagine with all my student loan debt being in grad school and having no assets, it was a little frustrating, right? So for those of you that don't, for our listeners that don't know, uh, net worth is when you take all of your assets, be it cash, be it um, retirement savings, be it things that have monetary value that you could sell like a house or a car or even your electronics if you really want to get that nitty-gritty nitty with calculating the value of what you own minus your debts. So that would include student loans, credit cards, mortgages, car loans, all kinds of loans, right? So the younger you are, the typical, typically the more negative your net worth will be because you don't, you have a lot of debt and not a lot of asset value. So if one of your overarching goals is to just improve my finances, calculating your net worth can be a good first step in making that number go up higher, right? Like that's your way of mo generally mon monitoring your finances over time. So. Luckily, I have not been in grad school for a while. I'm back in grad school from a PhD, but back in the day, 
when I was first in grad school, my finances have improved considerably. But it was nice to even see, even over a couple months, that that negative number that I had initially kept getting less negative, right? And it was, it was almost immediate to be able to see it because I'm like, okay, well, I'm paying down my debts. I'm accruing more assets, cash assets by making an emergency fund or saving for retirement. So I'm accomplishing all these different financial goals at once and it's making an impact on that one measurable number, which is net worth. Yeah, and so I was gonna say, go I was gonna say too, just to add in like having a negative net worth doesn't necessarily indicate that like you are bad with your finances or that like you're in a really bad spot financially. Um, I think one of the the biggest factors in net worth for a lot of people is their home. So obviously, if you're younger, if you're in college, if you're recently out of college and you don't have a home yet, you don't have a lot of assets to your name to really balance the scales with your student loan debt, credit card debt, whatever liabilities that you may have. So just because you have a negative balance right now doesn't mean that you always will and that you can't reduce that and that your financial situation is, is really bad or anything. Excellent points, Jake, thank you. So um, that's just another example of what you might do if that's your general goal is improve your finances. Um, you might, if you've never tracked your expenses, just start tracking your expenses for a month and, and then maybe it's just one expense and you slowly add to it every month for a year, right? It can be overwhelming to do everything at once, but there are automation tools that you can look into or research. And maybe your goal is something like research automation tools for tracking my expenses. So those are, are just some examples for increasing your overall financial well-being. Um, if you want to get more specific, let's say one of your goals is maybe paying off or paying down debt. You might consider making a debt payoff plan with something like powerpay.org from Utah State University Extension. That's who created powerpay.org and it can create multiple different types of debt management plans based on what you what your goals are and what you put into that tool. And it is free and um, open to the public to use. You could also use that to have a more in-depth conversation with a financial planner for creating a debt payoff plan, if that's what you wanted to do, or if it was bigger than what you anticipated after assessing all your finances. Maybe one of your goals is to begin investing if you've never invested before, you're not sure what the terminology is, maybe your first step in reaching that goal is to start with some education, right? Maybe um, you look into some resources from, we're gonna do a, a basic investing webinar in the spring with our colleagues, so you might check that out. I'm sure that we'll do some podcasts on beginning investing so that you know how to ask questions of a financial planner or a broker or whoever you um, reach out to to start establishing an investment plan, be it for like a retirement goal or maybe it's just a long-term savings goal. Um, investing can help you reach those goal longer-term goals a little bit faster thanks to compound interest. Maybe your financial goal is starting or building up an emergency fund. So a lot of people struggle to figure out where to start when it comes to 
just beginning an emergency fund. And I imagine that a lot of people this year are struggling just generally on what an emergency fund would be for them. Some people, some financial planners or experts will say you need three months of expenses saved. Others might say six, depending on how the economy is doing. I've even heard some people say 10 or 12 months of expenses. Like in 2008, that started becoming, having a year worth of expenses became a lot more popular. But if you're just getting started, that's really overwhelming. So I like to share that according to the annual study by the Federal Reserve, anywhere between 40 and 50% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 65 could not cover a $400 surprise expense without borrowing or selling something they own. So $400 might be the best place to start if you are overwhelmed by thinking about saving for three months of your monthly expenses. So let's say you're wanting to save for a vacation or maybe a large purchase. Maybe you spent all your vacation money on gifts this year because you didn't get to go on vacation, but you wanna start thinking about next year, where are you gonna go once it's safe to go places again? Um, it's key here, especially if you are vacationing with someone else to agree on the details of, as well as the budget, um, where to go, how much to spend. You might even research or do comparison shopping on different options for the location that you want to go to. So those are things to think about when you're planning for that type of a savings plan. Some people might look into specific types of savings vehicles like a CD or just a comparing saving accounts to see if they can get a little bit of money towards that the interest helping them, but that may or may not really help you out for a, a short-term goal like within the next year. And then saving for retirement. Are you guys happy about like saving for retirement is a very big goal for people. Yes, I was... I was actually very excited to start saving for retirement because like you always hear that like you can never start too early. And I probably, I guess, had this like feeling that I was starting too late. So like it felt good to at least start contributing something to it. Nikki and I, like our boss says, like he says it all the time, but that like your dollars now are, are worth a lot more when you retire. So like the earlier you start, the more that money that you put in early has time to build with interest and, and can wrap up a rack up a lot, a lot more money over time. And I was excited, but also because there is a retirement crisis happening in this country, which I know we are going to talk about um, on a future podcast that'll be released late February. So um, just, just being aware of this retirement crisis and, and, and what that means for, people individually, but also society as a whole. Uh, I definitely, definitely helped me prioritize some retirement savings. So obviously the younger that you start saving for retirement, the easier it is to accomplish a goal thanks to compound interest and the time value of money and all those little mathematical factors that go into helping us to achieve longer term goals. I would say assessing what you have access to when it comes to retirement savings and knowing the difference between defined benefit and defined contribution plans, which is probably part of the problem when it comes to the retirement crisis is 
there are less defined benefit plans available through employers than there used to be, right? In the 50s or 60s, now it, there's a lot more defined contribution, which is based on what you put into a retirement plan. So if you are able to take a, advantage of an employer match with a defined contribution plan where you put in a dollar and your employer puts in a dollar, obviously at least take advantage of that. Don't throw money away. It's like throw, you don't want to throw money in the garbage, right? You also want to know how long you have to work for an employer to be vested and qualify to maintain that contribution from the employer if you are taking advantage of that particular retirement benefit. So maybe if you don't know those things, the first step in accomplishing that safer retirement goal is look at your employer benefit options. Make sure that you understand what you're qualified to be able to contribute to and what your employer will help you accomplish. Like you don't want to throw away benefits of your job. You also want to look at what your options are for um, maybe contributing outside of an employer, right? Individual retirement accounts are available to anyone that has a job and there are different types. We won't go into different types, but just knowing what your options are. There are also a lot of calculators that you can use to determine how much money you will need, including the inflation factor when you want to retire in order to maintain your either current standard of living or like if you want to travel all the time, it's going to cost a lot more in the future. There are calculators to be able to help you estimate what that, how much you are going to need to save in order to get the retirement that you want. So maybe look into re those retirement calculators to get started. Thanks, Andrea. That was a lot of great information on goal setting and financial tips. I know I'm already thinking about some ways that I might adjust my... Nikki, did you have something to say? I was just going to say too, I know we talked a lot about like the, you were talking a lot of like kind of like bigger goals and also how to break them down. Right. So like retirement savings, that's overwhelming, but like your first step, your first resolution could be, I'm going to look up my employer plan, but also it could be something like, I want to save up to buy a new Apple watch, right? Like right. something personal that may not be as small, but I mean, as large, but you can still set that financial goal and like how much do you need to save each month to make that happen? Th those are all another example of, of, of a type of uh, financial resolution. It could be something even as simple as saying, every time I get, I'm going to put away $5 once a week. There's also, like you said, the option to automate some savings, right? There's roundup things we talked about in the FinTech um, episode, you could look into resources to help you automate your savings. Maybe you sign up to split your check and like $100 goes to your emergency savings every month. So that's one way to do it from maybe emergency savings or saving for your vacation. You can also reevaluate your goals, right? Our values change over time. Our access to resources change over time. So if you find out in a month what your plan was originally isn't going to work, change it. Absolutely. I think, sorry, go ahead, Nikki. No, 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 I interrupted you. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I 
no, I just think the, the goal setting like works really well. It, it works for big projects and small projects, you know, like Nikki and Angie are talking, it could be like last year, I set a goal to save up to buy a new laptop because my old one was seven years old and it was on its last leg and I really needed a new one. So that was like a smaller goal that I had, but also retirement is, is a big goal. And as these, these steps can help you with either, with either set, you know, it doesn't have to be something like retirement doesn't have to be super daunting as long as you have good goal setting and good planning in the context of the holiday spending stuff. You know, I was already thinking in my head, we know that people sp typically spend about a thousand dollars a year. I, I was thinking, you know, I might set a goal for next year to set aside $20 a week or $30 a week throughout the year. So that when December comes, I have about a thousand dollars in a save, you know, saved away that I can just, I know I can put towards all the gift buying and the, and the decorations and all that stuff, because I do love Christmas decorations. And I think that we are all very strong planners and not everyone is a strong planner. So if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I think it's important to acknowledge what you were able to accomplish, even if it wasn't your total goal. And I also think too, that it's important we're just asking, I think when people think of New Year's resolutions, they, what are some of the most popular ones, right? It's like, I'm going to travel more, I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to eat healthier, or, you know, all of that. And, and financial New Year's resolutions isn't something that is as natural to people to think of. So we just want to encourage you, wherever you are on your financial journey, you know, whether it's, I'm going to, save for a bigger goal, or I'm going to save for a smaller goal, or I'm going to try investing for the first time, like just keep those types of financial goals in your mind that, and try, if you've never made one before as part of your, your new year resolution, think of adding one in, just one. Yeah, it could Even be. if it's related to one of your overarching goals, like traveling, right? Mm -hmm. Set a savings goal for traveling. Yeah, I was going to say, it could even be, if you have never really operated with a budget before. It could be as simple as making a budget is a, you know, is a big goal for people. It can be. But tracking it's the key. Yes. The plan without tracking doesn't matter. Exactly. Andrea will be following up with everybody who makes new budgets to make sure that they're tracking. <laughs> well, check in in six months. <laughs> see how you're doing. If it's not working, we'll make a new plan. That's right. That's right. Well, we hope today's podcast provided everybody with some tips on how to save for the holidays and set some financial New Year's resolutions, at least. So we are going to take a short break for the holidays, but we will be back in the middle of January, where we will be talking about financial education for grades um, kindergarten through 12th. And we'll also have a special guest on. So enjoy your holidays, stay safe, and wear a mask.